Welcome back to Historia. I'm Kylie. I'm Jamie. We are here. We sound really loud right now. I know. <laughs> we, yeah, we're, we're just, we're making it through, y'all. We're making it through. Welcome back to another week of spooky season. Yes. This is our fourth episode of the night recording. Yep. So, yeah, it's going great. Okay. We're excited to bring you some spooky stuff. Mine is more case related. Case? Case. Like oh. crime case. You did a crime one? Kinda. Yeah? Yes. Yeah? <laughs> it's a good one. Ooh. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. Oh my God. Or have ever thought about covering this. Is this what you were saying like when we were recording last time and you were like, I know what I'm doing? Yeah. Okay. Or like when we were talking or yeah, whatever. I could, when yeah, we... I don't know if we were recording or talking. Oh, yeah, because we we went to Disneyland together. <gasps> oh, yeah, we never even talked about that. <laughs> we were just go straight, straight, straight. It was a time of our lives. Oh, it was great. We both got sick when we got back. And we got tattoos. <laughs> yeah, we got tattoos. It was super fun. We just randomly went in these Ubers and they drove us from the tattoo place to Disneyland. Literally, one of my friends like messaged me. She was like, <laughs> or I think it was yeah it was one of our friends and yeah, she yeah. she messaged me she was like when do you have time to get a tattoo when you're at Disney and I was like we make time <laughs> yeah we just like five minutes after we get our tattoo we just go back to California Adventure and go on the Incredicoaster <laughs> like what we, did, we got we went on the Incredicoaster and then we got ice cream at the Ghirardelli and we were like all right let's go let's go back and sleep <laughs> so I was so tired yeah yeah once you get to day three it's like exhausting but we had a lot mm-hmm. of fun it was super fun yeah for some reason like the last time I went to Disney World I could go the full like three days and I felt great but i don't know if it's me getting older <laughs> but i was just i was hurting i was like damn i, I do think disneyland's harder be just because you're going back and forth so much yeah whereas disney world you're sticking in like at least one area sort of i know it's bigger but yeah i feel like that's maybe why i don't know i have no idea but I... <laughs> yeah so uh anyway what are we talking about today mm, so you're going to love this topic. So this week, I am going to be discussing the case of the stolen ruby slippers from the Wizard of Oz. <gasps> oh my god! <laughs> I've I've heard of this, like I've read about it before, but I yeah. don't really remember the details. So mm-hmm. I'm super pumped. Can't wait. I'm doing another stolen object. I'm doing yes! stolen objects. I, I'm a big fan of these. And also, <laughs> I played Dorothy in high school, so <laughs> I'm a big fan of Wizard of Oz. Yep, so I thought this was very <laughs> fitting for you. Oh my god, okay, can't wait. Let's jump into it. Yeah, so before we get started, let's go over where I got my information from. So I got information from the FBI.gov website. I got some from the New York Times. And a big help was from Season 5, Episode 15 of Expedition Unknown. Oh, I love that show. Yeah, so if you are not aware of Expedition Unknown, it is such a cool show. I honestly, I have a crush on the host. His name is Josh Gates. He's like <laughs> I think 40... we talked about this last time. Yeah. Or like a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. For my birthday, I was like super drunk. And I was like, oh, my God, I have the biggest crush on like Josh Gates oh, yeah, and James Hurd. And he was like, what? <laughs> You were on the phone with him and you didn't even realize. Yeah. <laughs> he, I, I don't know why I have the hugest crush on him, but every time I watch his show, I'm just like completely infatuated. Like, oh my God. That's literally me with Jimmy Fallon. So 
It works. It's great. So he he's an archaeologist that kind of goes on just random expeditions to help like other archaeologists kind of like kind of like share their what they're trying to find or just like sometimes he does like where they're trying to find like hidden treasure and stuff like that. He'll try to like help those guys and stuff. Half the time he doesn't really find much. But in this case, it's a success story. Yeah. So in this episode specifically, he went on the hunt for the ruby slippers and even help with the investigation of trying to find the slippers with the help of some others. So it is quite the episode and I recommend that you watch it. So let's jump into the case of the slippers. So the 1939 film, The Wizard of Oz, is said to be one of the most watched movies of all time and one of the most beloved. I can believe that. Oh, yeah. So when people think of an icon of American culture... They think the Wizard of Oz. It comes up quite often. Mm-hmm. So when you think of America, like their big time movies that are like old, Wizard of Oz always comes up. Well, wasn't it the first one with color? Yeah. Yeah. So transition from black and white into color, like that was Literally of. like halfway through the movie. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty crazy. So not to mention that a beloved icon came out of this movie, Judy Garland. She is a story in itself, but this week is all about the beloved Ruby Slippers. So. I will cover her eventually. Yeah. I'm going to leave her She's up my to girl. you. Yes. <laughs> so if you have not watched this film, I recommend you do so before listening to the rest of this episode, as it will be confusing on why these shoes are so important and why anyone would steal them. It's like, you don't understand. I would steal them, TBH. (laughs) Well, yeah, because they're so important. Yeah. But like for the people that have watched the movie, they're probably thinking like, why is this so important? Well, they're magical. They're they're magical. They send you home. (laughs) Now, if you have watched the film, you know how iconic the scenes are with the ruby slippers and the memorable place, no place like home scene. Mm-hmm. Where she's just clicking her heels. Three times. Three yeah. times. So as we see throughout the movie, Dorothy only wears the single ruby slippers, but there were more than one pair used throughout the whole filming, which mm-hmm. is very common. So with a musical film like The Wizard of Oz, there are a lot of dancing. There's a lot of dancing. That means there are needs to be multiple costumes for the different scenes. Like it might be the same dress. But they have multiple of them. Yeah. Because maybe one snags or one gets a stain on it. Yeah. Like you have to have multiple. And the ruby slippers were the same in this case. Is like she's doing a lot of dancing on like these wood platforms and whatnot that they painted gold or whatnot, right. whatever she's doing. And so they get worn over time. Yeah. And then they just want to make sure that they stay in pretty pristine condition. So they have multiple of them for her to use. So in the film, there were a total of four ruby slippers that were made that we know of. So each were craftily stitched and on the inside seam had Judy Garland's name on it. Oh, yeah. So that's how it like it proves that it's like legit with like the signature and stuff. That's how they prove to know which one is legit and which one's not. So at the end of filming, the shoes were set into the MGM rental stock and were kept there until the 1970s. So after the movie, they just stashed them away. So I don't think and I don't think she took a pair either. Mm -hmm. So it kind of she probably didn't want to be reminded of it. Yeah, the trauma. Yeah. Making her smoke cigarettes. Mm hmm. 
So when the 70s came around, the company MGM had gone bankrupt and the shoes were once again found because people started going through like the stock room and they came across the ruby slippers. They're like, what? So they decided to raffle off the fourth pair that were worn that were won by a woman named Roberta Bowman. Now, this pair is now owned by a private collector, so we'll never see these shoes again. That's what sucks about yeah. That's (laughs) well. That's what sucks about private collectors is that they keep it to themselves, which I think is selfish. Yeah, but that's just me. So they're private for a reason. Exactly. (laughs) Freaking rich people. Yep. So with this new discovery of the shoes being brought back into the spotlight, the worth of these shoes proceeded to skyrocket. They were now worth millions of dollars. Jeez. And this was in the seventies. Wow. And it's it's pretty much it's steadily gone up like they're still like worth in the millions wow. to this day. Yeah, it's crazy. So another pair would be auctioned off to which is now in the Smithsonian. So that's kind of how they like pair how they pretty much legitimize like some of the shoes that they come in is the ones in the Smithsonian. Now, another pair would be kept by the founder, Kent Warner. He found them who would later be bought by Leonardo DiCaprio that would then what? donate them to the <laughs> Academy Museum of Motion Pictures. What? Leonardo? Yeah. <laughs> what is he doing with those shoes? Well, he bought them from like um from like the private like collector, like the guy. There's like a specific guy who has all this like super rare memorabilia. And Leonardo DiCaprio bought it so he could donate them to this museum. Okay. Yeah, so he wasn't going to keep them for himself. <laughs> He's like, wait, I just got to dance in them real quick. <laughs> I don't even think he would be able to fit in yeah, them. Yeah, no, they're tiny. Yeah, they were probably like a size four or five. Because <laughs> she was very small. Yeah. She was not a large woman. Yeah. So the last pair, which is the pair of the hour, is owned by a collector, Michael Shaw. Now, Michael Shaw, he is quite the collector. Being in the film industry, he has over the years collected endless amounts of film props and memorabilia because a lot of times they would um, pretty much like a bunch of like props and stuff. They would be on the verge of throwing out or like Mm -hmm. auctioning off and stuff. And because he worked in that certain industry, he was like, I'll take them. And so now he has like this huge collection and stuff and the ruby slippers. He was like, I want them. And so he owned that last pair. So in the midst of his collection, the ruby slippers are, he said, his most prized possession. Mm-hmm. Like the, he loves them so much, and when he got stolen, like he cried. Like it was such oh, a yeah. devastating moment. Like everybody was like, "What?" <laughs> I don't blame him. Mm-hmm. So in the summer of 2005, Shaw decided to loan the ruby slippers to the Judy Garland Museum in Grab- Grand Rapids, Minnesota. If you know anything about this famous actress, is that she was born in Grand Rapids and lived there until she was about four before moving to the city of Los Angeles. She was well known in the town for her talent and the house she lived in has been turned into part of the museum as well. So the Judy Garland Museum is a large section, contains the memorabilia of her most famous film, The Wizard of Oz, Mm -hmm. because that's probably her most memorable. Yeah. So in the center of the room on display that drew in tourists from all over the country and maybe even the world 
were Michael Shaw's pair of ruby slippers that he loaned out to them. So these were donated for and loaned for the annual uh, festival the town had for the actress. Okay. So they always had that. So on the wall, looking directly at the slippers, was a nice large security camera. This becomes important later on. Okay. So over the slippers was a glass display, and it was roped off so the so the public couldn't get too close. Yeah. I'm like, how much is a rope really going to do? But <laughs> a rope. <laughs> I mean, they were covered, though, in like a plexiglass just to make sure that they stay in pretty good, they stay in good condition, right. that it's not getting mixed in with like the air particles, yeah. and to keep those prying child hands off. So. <laughs> For sure. Everyone would touch them. Exactly. <laughs> So these slippers became an instant fan favorite and really brought in the appeal to the small town and also the awe that the prop could still be in excellent condition. Like these were gone for like 40 years before they were rediscovered. And then this was in 2005. So people were like, these are in amazing condition that they still sparkled, that they still were put well together. Like Mm -hmm. people were just in awe of this. So, but in the morning of August 18th, 2005, when the workers came in the morning, it was discovered that the famous ruby slippers were missing. Oh, no. This shocked the town all the way to the people around the country. The whole situation on how these slippers were stolen are very sus. Very suspicious. Interesting. In the middle of the night, the secured alarm-activated door would be deactivated and the glass broken. The assailant would get in and go through the side door to get into the show showroom, which happened to be unlocked in the morning. What? So somehow they had to find a way to unlock it. So they either picked the lock or they had a key. Now you would think, hey, there's a security camera, right? Yeah. Wouldn't that catch whoever did it? Yeah, no. Was it off? In the morning, when trying to review the footage of the camera, it just so happened to be turned off. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so whoever was in charge of this heist knew exactly the layout of like the they museum. They had to work there. They had to work there, or they had been in the museum several times. Were they dressed like a worker, like uh, the Mona Lisa one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> And what they needed to do, um, so they knew the layout of the museum and what they needed to do in order not to get caught. And I mean, this isn't a very big museum either. And like the security crackdown probably could have been better. But no one thought that in this small town that these shoes would be stolen. Yeah. So the only thing that was protecting the slippers was the box glass over them. And of course, this glass was shattered. So someone literally just shattered it instead of trying to take it off. And the slippers would be swiped and gone. Now, the authority, the authorities were immediately called and prints were scanned for, but nothing was found. No fingerprints. The only clue left was a single red sequin from the shoes. So the shoes would be missing without a trace for 13 years. What? Yeah. No, it was like a, it was a cold case. 13 years? Holy shit. Yeah. 2018? Yeah. Wow. So during this time, the case would open up, and not only were the Grand Rapids Police Department on this case, but eventually along the way, the FBI art division would be involved. How do you find shoes? I, they have to, they just keep asking around of like anybody who said anything about stealing a pair of ruby slippers. 
Because wow. you know people will talk. Yeah, they'll brag about it eventually. Exactly. So they just kind of kept... but eventually, Or if they try to sell it. Exactly. Yeah. So they're just thinking of maybe like it could be on the black market or maybe it was just someone who's trying to do a side hustle, like a side switch job or whatever. And so they kept like kind of in that. But when it came to like clues and stuff, they had nothing to go off of. Oh, my God. Yeah. So. So sad. So there would be little leads for the police to go off of and no one was coming forward with any information on where they could be. It was just silent. Wow. This silence would continue on until 12 years later in 2017 when, excuse me, when someone approached the insurance company that insured the multi-million dollar slippers, stating that he had information on where the slippers were. Oh. Out of nowhere. Okay. Dude was desperate. So (laughs) theories over the years have been made about who had the slippers and what could have happened to them. There were the theories that they could have been destroyed by now as the thief didn't know what to do with them. There was the most possible theory that whoever took the slippers had to have either lived in the town or near to be knowledgeable of the museum and to be able to deactivate the door and camera. Any possible theory who come would come to head in 2017. When the individual came to the insurance company about their knowledge of the location of the slippers, the Grand Rapids Police Department were ecstatic that they finally had a lead. Taking this lead seriously, the police department would then go to the FBI art crime unit for help. The FBI getting the news on the slippers' potential finding would put all of their efforts to find the slippers. They're like, yeah, these are a beloved icon. We have to find them. We will do whatever we can. Yeah. It would take a year-long operation that the FBI and the Grand Rapids Police Department would have put together to find these slippers. What? Field offices from Chicago, Atlanta, and Miami were all involved in finding them. Oh! Yeah, it was pretty serious. It came to the attention along the way in the investigation that the potential slippers could be in Minneapolis. In the Expedition Unknown episode on the Ruby Slippers, it was supposed that a picture was sent to the police of the slippers that they received like a picture of them. And they're like, okay, can uh, the guy who was pretty knowledgeable of the slippers and the legitimacy of them, um, he kind of reviewed the pictures and he was like, these could pretty much well be like the actual slippers unless like the pictures were taken a while ago and they took those. But of course they're like, if this is legitimate, then, yeah, those are definitely the real slippers. Yeah. So, like, getting this picture was, like, a huge thing. So they went on to receive confirmation confirmation that the pictures of the slippers were authentic and to progress the warrants and investigation from where the information was coming from. Mm. So it was from then on that the FBI art crime unit would team with the Minneapolis Department and go on with an undercover sting operation to recover the shoes. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, obviously, this guy was trying to probably get money from the insurance companies about the shoes. And they're like, what a fucking idiot. Like, of course, I'm going to go to the cops about this. (laughs) Yeah. They're just going to be like, oh, yeah, sure. Dude wasn't thinking. (laughs) So, it would be in July of 2018 that the operation would work and the slippers would be recovered. Yes. Yay. I tried to find where the shoes were recovered, but I literally could not find 
anything definitive on the sting operation. So they just found him one day? Well, they have like the whole sting operation. They just haven't publicized it. Okay. Of like how what they did and how the sting operation went and whatnot. Like I could not find anything on it. And like interesting. Even the FBI website was like pretty vague about it. And I was like, right. (laughs) Can't disclose the information. Literally. So at the time of the recovery, no one had been arrested. So I don't even know how they found the shoes. Like it didn't say, which is annoying. There was like a scavenger hunt. Left (laughs) clues. Probably. Or it was at the person's house that they thought or that they located the phone number from and they couldn't find the person. So the team involved were just happy that the shoes were in good condition and not destroyed like some theories suggested. After the recovery, the shoes were immediately moved to the American history section of the Smithsonian Museum. That is where the other pair of slippers are located. Okay. So they wanted to do the authentication of them and to make sure that they were legitimate and kind of compare them with the other slippers. Okay. So and make sure that they were analyzed and properly cleaned and stuff since they've been in the hands of some dirty person for 13 years. Yeah. (laughs) Jeez. So the slippers would be in the hands of the Smithsonian conservator, Don Wallace, who would spend the next two years analyzing the shoes and confirming their authenticity to their condition. The pair in the Smithsonian at this time was concerned as the deterioration was more rapid than expected, and they were trying to figure out why. It was discovered in this time that the slippers found in those Smithsonian were mismatched twins. Oh. So they're trying to take the extra precautions to make sure that they stay in cases that will not um, pretty much expedite the um, the progression of the deterioration. They're trying to like maybe remove the oxygen from the glass case that they're put in so it doesn't do anything. But along the way, when they were doing this, they figured out that like with I, I'm guessing there was some sort of like maybe number like... Um, written in there or something that the shoes the pairs that they had were just mismatched twins wow so like the left and the uh, the other uh right shoe were twins okay yeah and then it was like the right and left yeah it was crazy of how they got paired together like that So, Mike, it was a shocking coincidence, though. So, Michael Shaw would eventually be told on the return of his slippers, assuming everything was wrapped up in a perfect bow. But this was not the end. Of course not. On (laughs) September 4th, 2018, Jill Sanborn of the Minneapolis Division of FBI and Christopher Myers of the U.S. Attorney for the District of North Dakota would announce to the world of the return of the Ruby Slippers. Now, the media went nuts for this news, revealing, reliving, and exciting those who have been involved in the cold case since the disappearance of shoes in 2005. I don't remember any of this. Yeah, no, I never heard (laughs) of it. It's sad. I mean, I heard of it, but like years later. Yeah. So not soon after, with many search warrants and further investigating, the man behind the crime was arrested. His name was Terry John Martin. Martin lived close to the museum and had been charged with theft of a major artwork. When trying to get the reason and how from him, Martin was not exactly forthcoming about it. There are still many questions about if Martin did the crime alone, if he was the only one who possessed the shoes, or if he was working for someone who wanted them. We don't know. 
We may never know the exact reason to what happened to the shoes during their theft, but it's best to look on the upside that they are returned and in great condition. So Dorothy's ruby slippers are a beloved piece of American history that leaves people with a sense of home and knowing that they are back up in the hands of people who care and hope to hope they stay safe and kept inspiring the warm hearts of people all over the world. I don't know if they are going to go back to Grand Rapids, but I think right now they are in the hands of Michael Shaw. Okay. So. They're going to have to do something to make it even more protective. (laughs) Yeah, I, I can believe him for being extra cautious of his shoes yeah Plus, i guess it's only been five years so they're probably still trying to yeah and this dude is probably getting close to 90 years old so Holy i don't shit. know what he's gonna do <laughs> but yeah so that is the case of the missing ruby slippers the things you do for shoes literally for famous shoes mm-hmm. i really want to know like how they caught them and like all of that but they can't disclose that information it's yeah like, i don't why? know if there's like a time frame they have to wait maybe but yeah, I was very curious because I kept trying to look and see like the sting operation and I couldn't really find anything. I was like, dang it. Where did they find the shoes? <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> Maybe that's a conspiracy theory is that they had them all along. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> I just felt like me. I had to have been like a worker helping him out because I was going to know how to turn the cameras off and all that shit. I, yeah, that's a good question. That's very valid. I have no idea. Or like a maintenance guy or something. Like, yeah. I don't it know. could have been an inside job. We don't know. Wow. Because Martin's being a little bitch and not giving anything away. A oh, little bitch. Mm, just be a snitch, dude. <laughs> Honestly. It's like you're already caught. Yeah. Give the information out. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> That was a good one. Oh. I like it. Yeah. It's fun to hear about missing objects. Oh, yeah. And just the stories behind them. Yeah. And how they like find them and mm-hmm. can't get away with it. Don't nope. even try. Nope. <laughs> All right. Where can you find us? You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at History of the Podcast, or you can email us at History of the Podcast at gmail.com. Ooh, catch us next week for the last episode of Spooky Mom. Oh my goodness. Yeah, next week is Halloween for y'all. For us, it's September 30th. So we're getting there. Yes. Ah. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.